Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ready, set, live. Hello, I'm Gary Quinn, and welcome to another episode of Ready, Set, Live. My in-studio guest today is award-winning producer and media expert, executive producer, Kia Kiso. Hi, Kia. Welcome to the show. Hi, Gary. Thanks so much for having me Good. Here. You know, um, a lot of people in the inter- entertainment world, they do many things, and I know that you started out uh, in a career of, of just, uh, you know, I mean, let's go way f- before when okay. you first started. Sure. Um, was there always an intention that you were going to, I know you, when you were 12, you, you were yep. a storyteller and you really yeah. loved stories. Uh, was there something that influenced you or something that you said, wow, I want to do that or I want to yeah. go for that? Back then, when I was 12, my school um, had an opportunity to nominate one of their students to be part of a gifted and talented summer class program. And my school, unbeknownst to me, nominated me. And uh, it was at the local community college. I got to pick from their catalog, and I picked a three-camera TV production class. Mm. And so at 12 years old, I was directing, you know, short little TV shows that I was making with other kids with a professional instructor. And that's when I realized, like, oh, this is a real job. And, wow, this is super cool. And I get to tell stories that mean something and have an impact on the world. So right then and there, I... You I knew, knew. <laughs> yeah, I knew where I was focused towards. And then how did you, I know you went to uh, university and then you studied, yeah. um, the, well, you were studying, uh, like producing, you were studying yeah, directing. Yeah, it's called Moving Image Arts. It was okay, this moving. really sexy name for film school. Okay, film school, correct. Yeah. And so did that even make the bug even deeper that you decided, I really want to create this as my intent and my passion? Yeah, it it definitely was the next step for me. I fully believe in education. I think money is always well spent on education and traveling. And um, so I wanted to go to a traditional four-year college to get a well-rounded degree. But being there with students that also had the same passion as I did, it opened up my world. And I went to a school that had professional sound stages on campus, which was unheard of at the time. I don't know if it exists anyplace else now. So we would intern on Wyatt Earp and Cowboy Way. And I interned on a TV show called Earth 2, which was an Amblin um, Spielberg production. And that gave me enough skill set to be able to say, oh, I can PA for you. And I got to meet some professionals that lived out in LA. So when I transitioned from graduation to Los Angeles, I already had names that I could call on. Internships has been key. Volunteering my time has been key for me every step along the way, even when I transition to different And I think that's careers. important for people who are wanting to get into this business. Internship is really the key to open the door. It really is. Um, and some people are fortunate to really step into the internship program yeah. and, you know, 
go right into a, a job situation. Sure. And I think that is the key or inspiring. I mean, as you are progressing, and some people may not know your background or what you're currently doing right now, and we'll get to that, but sure. um, what tips would you give for, let's say, people who are, let's say, in Boston or mm-hmm. in, still in school, or they're here in Los Angeles, and they say, I really would like to do something um, you know, create a show or write a project and sell right. it or see it through fruition. Right. Well, I mean, there's several several different ways you could take it, but I think you have to start with just wanting it and mm-hmm. having a passion for it. I think sometimes people choose dreams that they feel like are something that they should choose or what people will allow them to choose, but I think you have to totally tap into who you are and who you think you are because... When things get tough, that's going to be the fuel that drives you forward. You know, going into the industry is, is, it's not typical, right? Mm -hmm, right. And my family was extremely supportive. The majority of people I know that I grew up with aren't doing something like this. You have to be really willing to sort of forge a new path. I, I sometimes liken it to jumping off the cliff and trusting your wings are going to grow, right? Right. Um, You can't wait for it to be all laid out in front of you before you make a move. You really have to just take that next step. I mix mix metaphors a lot, but another metaphor I have for it is, and I experience it still on a daily basis, but it just keeps up-leveling. The feeling never goes away, but it's crossing a, a, a stream, almost like a raging river and in a fog, and you don't know how you're going to get across that river, all you need to do is just find that next solid step. Mm -hmm. And um, so when somebody has a big vision, like I even did at 12, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to make it happen. And I truly don't feel like it's your business to know how to make it happen. You just have to have a clear understanding of where you want to go. Just have that passion and do the best thing that's laid out in front of you. I look at a lot of, I can look back at my career and see a lot of first steps that were missteps or they were just kind of like uninformed, silly, you know, like showing up to parties. Yeah, I'm a producer and I hadn't produced anything, you know, (laughs) you you know, you acting as if, you know, we've, we've been friends and you've coached me for a long period of time. So, um, I I have your voice in my head quite frequently, (laughs) but you know, and you never know what's going to hit, but you know, for doing five things that felt kind of silly or felt like they might've been missteps, there was that one that was then the thread that continued forward. So it's like believing in yourself. But I think, but I think correct. The believing in yourself is the step number one first of really, how do you believe in yourself when you have no, let's say result in your work? There's a step that you have to push through and that faith of knowing that no matter what's happening, you're going yeah. to get to the other side. Well, and I think even you don't need to necessarily believe in yourself, right? There are times that I totally don't believe in myself Correct. and I completely doubt myself. And I would rather be in my pajamas and watch Netflix all day and not answer a phone call or go anywhere. So, but it's somehow loving the thing that you want mm-hmm. and needing to Needing to bring it into fruition, sometimes that's enough too, right? It's just and I think you've always it. been conscious in, and I think that's an important part of anybody in any industry is to have some kind of consciousness of being able to, uh, let's say, not overcome, but to use it as a as a learning lesson, to yeah. not a challenge, but a learning mm-hmm. lesson, a step 
so that you're able to say, okay, in the last six months I've learned this and I won't do this again, but I'm moving towards the end of my my result of what I want to create. And it's just a, you know, and I've seen you progress and I think the progression with people is sometimes they doubt for a moment that it's going to work when they must, like you said, they have to trust in the end result no matter what. They shouldn't ask the how. How do I get there? Yeah. And you've proven to yourself from what you've just done. We can, you know, tell the audience basically you've sold something into uh, the FX network, which is owned by Fox. Right. And a TV show, a series. Right. That I've been working on for over six years now. I optioned the property and now we're developing it into a TV show. But oh my God, the journey on that, right? And it originally just started with a vision of, I see this on TV, and I believe it would be excellent. And I had to believe it would be excellent even when everybody else around me was telling me it was not excellent. Correct, correct. And that you could have said, okay, well, I guess I better stop and do something else. Every single year when I had to send another check to re-up that option, I was like, is this worth it or not? And I would almost not send in that check. And then... (laughs) Thank God I did. You did send it right? Thank God I sent it in. Right. right? Um, and and the frosting on the cake is that it is a uh, Academy Award winning director that's uh, involved with right. you and uh, Emmy winning writers. Yeah. Um, so that is, I don't want to say a miracle, but it is a sense of uh, you actually created it because you had this vision. And I think for anyone right. out there who doesn't believe in having a vision, I think that's the intent. Well, and that... if I, 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 people say it a lot, but it's true. Like, if I could do it, anybody can do it. There's nothing special about what I've done. And when other people say that to me, you know, and especially I think if they've accomplished more than I have and they say that to me, I don't really believe it because I, I think we sometimes put people up on pedestals. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're really just human. That's why I don't mind saying sometimes I'd rather just be in my pajamas watching Netflix. Like it's true, but I still get myself up and I'll answer an email. I do my best next step. And you know, what's interesting. I've noticed that, um, people who work in industries when they're successful, there's a humbleness, but there's a belief in the Mm -hmm. creative side where this is all they were passionate about of doing this. Right. And, and then they do it. And I think that's the step. Um, But moving forward now, I mean, I know you have certain fears that come up. Mm -hmm. What 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 are those fears? What do you usually fear? Oh, my God. Today in the last hour. um, (laughs) Well, this TV show is new for me. I'm outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't touched on it, but. I didn't go straight from film school to producing. I actually was a camera assistant and a loader for 12 years. I was a telecine colorist when film still really existed, and I did that for two years. I did visual effects. Um, And it was, I've only been producing for the past 10 years or so. And I say only because some people have been doing it their entire career. Making that transition of what's below the line to above the line, and people that don't know that, below the line is a little bit more crew, it's more craft based. Above the line is more creative. That's where your writers, your directors, your producers, your actors are. Making that leap has been hard because I believe for a long time, like, 
again, this sort of like this pedestal idea. They're up there. They wear the cute shoes to set. I'm wearing the tennis shoes to set. <laughs> right. And I think even you told me, because you, you sort of predicted it away. You were like, I see you on red carpets. I see you producing stuff. You are going to be wearing different shoes. I was like, different shoes? That would be so amazing. <laughs> but, the, the, but the fear that um, comes up for me now is I still feel outside of my comfort zone. This TV show and setting it up at this amazing premium network and uh, and talking to these amazing people that are part of it, it's, it's, I think the, the same thoughts are there. Unfortunately, I wish they would go away. That's like, why me? Am I doing enough? Am I going to say the right thing? Are they going to point me out and say like, you don't belong, but I, but I do. I'm the one that saw the vision for the book. I had the rights. Nobody else did. And, and I've trained myself, you know? Uh, so the, the fears are, Will it amount to anything? Will it, you know, it's, it's, I'm like digging for, or like, what is it sort of like drilling for oil, mm-hmm. putting money and time into it? It's not paying back. Being a producer, it's really, I'm not getting a paycheck, Correct. you know, not a regular paycheck. So the fear is like, am I make? is this the right next best step? Am mm. I equal to my dream? Correct. Is the genius that I feel in my mind, and I say genius in quotes, but what I sense that my potential is, is that really something I can actually achieve? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? And the thought of not achieving it is a scary one, but the thought of achieving it too is a little bit scary too. Right, right. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I looked at your your resume. It's, I mean, you've done so much, even yeah. below the line. Yeah. And that in itself, of all the years that you've worked on many projects, should be enough to give you that extra boost to say, I belong, right? But there's this right fine line: Do I belong? Do I not belong? Do I stay as crew? Do I stay as a producer or executive right. producer? Um, I think it's just stepping into those shoes and being um, conscious enough to say, I-, "I deserve this now. I've worked hard, um, and I've worked with many people who are in the film business who are executives, and they." have the same fears, even if they're running a studio, that they have So there's 10, no hope, people. right? You just gotta like you just gotta let it go and be like, thanks for the information body. Thanks Correct. for the information mind. And I'm gonna ignore you and move forward. Like, what what do you do with that information? If everybody feels like they're imposters or they're gonna feel like they're found out. Like if it, didn't um Henry Fonda still throw up before he went on stage Correct. even when he was in his like Correct. Correct. So so it's it's a human uh, issue. If you're a robot and you were programmed, <laughs> okay, I'm going to feel this way and I'm going to, you know, feel like I'm worthy of it. But we're humans, so we have those emotions. And no matter how successful you are, um, that little voice still comes up. Yeah. You know, so it comes up for even people who are metaphysical, spiritual. Sure. I remember years ago I interviewed um, Louise Hay. And I said to her, what is your biggest fear, Louise? And she said, no matter how successful I am, Gary, with all my book companies around the world and the success, that little voice still comes up that says, I'm not good enough. You're fake. And she and I said, well, what do you do for that? And she said, well, I push it down. I start saying my affirmations. I start believing and looking at all the things that I am yeah. and I'm worthy of. Yeah. And then it goes away. 
So I think it's a normal. There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> <laughs> There's hope. Um, I know you were involved in the. Um, you're founder of the. Um, social Impact Entertainment Task Group, yes, uh, or Task Force. What the, what what is that? That's at the Producers Guild of America, okay. which is an association. It's a guild of producers. We're about nine thousand strong across the country. Um, most producers, the Producers Guild, we get together and we talk about how do you make content. But what's became became apparent to um, my co-founders and I is that audiences seem to be hungry for entertainment that is a little something extra that informs us while engaging us um, brings to light issues that then we can take action on and um, so we created the social impact entertainment task force that's what we call it social impact entertainment is film, TV show, podcasts that fall under the umbrella of entertaining plus informing, creating awareness with a positive impact. So we decided to create a task force at the Producers Guild to help our members understand this market better, That kind of creating that kind of content. It's the first time the Guild has ever talked about what are you making, not how to make it, but what are you making? How can you make a difference while you're entertaining? And that's close to my heart. That's very close to my heart. I love telling stories, but... I think we can also do it in a way that helps the world be a better place. Absolutely, because storytelling is what it's all about. Well, that's how we've learned how to live since the beginning of time. And does that correlate to the conscious media? It does. Uh, that's another group that you created or you're right. So that's a company that I founded called the Conscious Media Visionaries. Right. And that's to help people in the entertainment industry coalesce and come together as a community and giving them tools and resources so they can find their way with making content that it's almost a next layer for social impact entertainment for me. I, I separate them. Social impact entertainment is something I do with the PGA and it's probably more palatable for them or is internally conscious media for me is um, it's entertainment that creates awareness but has a positive impact and maybe even addresses what you're hungry for, your soul is hungry for. Uh, I believe you not only, you know, you always hear the saying, you are what you eat, but I believe you are what you watch. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching content that actually is sort of on a subtle level or even a very overt level telling you the world is a bad place, it's a scary place, people are going to murder you, you're going to die from some crazy disease or there are others versus us or, um, you know, just sort of tricking us to be scared and afraid and disconnected, I think that's going to replicate in your life. Absolutely. And I try not to make projects that that do that, uh, and I and I try not to watch projects that do that. Sometimes for work, I have to watch stuff that I wouldn't normally watch, and sometimes I wake up the next morning feeling icky, or I pick a little fight with my husband after watching. I'm like, what was that about? I'm like, that movie. It's almost like when I eat, I had some chocolate last night, and I was like, ugh. It's kind of as that right. same feeling. So I believe there's audiences out there, and please let us know if you're there, that wants to watch content that makes them feel better, that inspires them and motivates them. And because I believe that audience is out there, I'm trying to get filmmakers together to be like, the audience wants to see this stuff. You can make what's in your heart. You don't have to hide. And, and I think when you make something from the heart, it's, it's authentic and it's yeah. truthful, and those movies usually just skyrocket because people walk out of the theater feeling good or yeah. they feel uplifted yeah. in some way. Truly. And I and I I believe that there is more of that movement that people need to 
participate or get involved with you in bringing that conscious media. Yes. Um, that has been going on for how long now, the Conscious Media? Conscious Media Visionaries, I, I made it a full-fledgling company probably a couple years, but I had been working on that for even longer, even longer before then. You know, I sort of, it, it's not the right terminology, but I sort of came out of the closet as a spiritual filmmaker, oh my gosh, maybe 10 years ago, and felt like I was kind of alone in it. And then I realized that everybody was like, no, I believe the same way you do, but... I work over here at this particular network, and we don't talk about that. And I'm right, like, right, but right, we do right. need to talk about it. Was that when you so, did the Michael Beckwith project? I did. Correct. I did. I produced. That was called, what was that called? Spiritual Liberation. Spiritual Liberation, correct. Yeah, with Reverend Michael Beckwith, who was in The Secret. Right. I, I think you're even having him on the show. Yes, right? yes. Cool. Great guy. Uh, love what, you know, love his message. I grew up in that kind of philosophy, learning metaphysics Mm -hmm. from a very young age from my family. And um, I grew up in a haunted house. They were friendly ghosts. But I knew that there was a life that was more than what we could see. Mm -hmm. So um, in many ways, Conscious Media Visionaries and some of the slate of my projects, meaning some of the projects that I'm creating, uh, are a mixture between, you know, some... Well, even my career. Like, I, I love to bring a little bit more of that metaphysics, that spirituality into it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might watch my thing and not even know, or spiritual liberation is very overt. This is about, Correct. you know, spirituality. Um, knowing that what you've learned so far, what has been the biggest lesson, the takeaway that you say, I've learned this in the last 10 years or 20 years. What has been the biggest lesson that you say, I've learned about like about yourself myself, about about career work career about life in general oh my gosh it's probably trusting my instincts mm-hmm. you know looking back you could go like oh god that wouldn't have gone on as long if i would have just really listened to my instincts or if only i had spoken up that little you know spark you know, spoken up at that moment about that thing that was, you know, inside of me. It might be a lesson, but I feel like I'm still learning that one. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm still in the middle of all my lessons, And Gary. I think people don't trust themselves enough where they they feel the first intention or they feel the first trust and then they go, no, I think I'm going to, and then that's the wrong decision. The right. first hit is always the correct one. Mm-hmm. And then people go against it or they say, oh, I should have, uh, you know, done that. I felt it. Well, it's easy to get in sort of like my mind about like, but was that, and I'm not the kind of person that labels things like ego, but like, oh, was that first inkling, was that because I was trying to control something? I'm known as being very supportive, but also extremely commanding. It's very important for my job to be a bit bossy, right? But it's like, oh, was I, did I want to say that because I wanted to control how this is happening or because I'm maybe... On the other side of it, it's like sometimes I make, for my, sometimes my first impressions are completely wrong with people. Mm. Sometimes like, mm, I don't think we're in alignment. And then I'm best friends with them later. And so I'm like, I have no idea. Right? So sometimes I second guess my intuition because sometimes I've been proven wrong later. Or I don't entirely trust that it's coming from a pure place. So I think it probably depends a lot on like how I'm feeling in the moment. Right. Which, you know, um, if I were to, like the last... Here, I've got a better one for you, my lesson, over the last 10 to 20 years is um, there is, uh, 
there's a force for good mm-hmm. in our lives, and it loves us and blesses us and wants us to do great. And <clears throat> our lives go better when we allow it in more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah, yeah. And, and allowing that, individuals have problems with uh, allowing things to happen, which allows more trust, allows more self-love. If you had to describe love to someone who doesn't know anything about love, say an alien comes up to you or someone from another universe comes and says, "Uh, Kia, what's this love thing on the planet Earth? How would you describe love? I think that's the biggest question of our time. I I get a sense. I asked myself maybe like five or seven years ago, I want to understand what love is more. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of like... You ask life these questions and you wait for these answers to come to you. And the answers that came back to me were like almost like quantum physicists talking about how it's the glue that keeps our universe together. Like everything happens because of love. And I've been trying to figure out what that means. But it almost has a sense of like I think love is very spiritual. It's not this romantic thing that we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks on Valentine's Day. It is... I think a component of this is like us totally recognizing and appreciating and telling somebody else or telling the kitten whatever it is that you appreciated and you accept it fully. I think that's part of love. But I think the bigger part of love is that whatever created us to and allowed us to like play in this world that was designed for us was out of pure love. Mm-hmm. It was almost like it loves us so much that it gives us free will and whatever we say is true is true, right? Whatever we believe is true is really Correct. true. You're right, no matter what you believe. So you might as well believe the good thing. It's almost like this sort of like grandmothery type figure at a candy shop that's like, honey, have whatever you want. You can eat yourself sick or right. you can sit there and be like, I don't deserve any or of it. I don't it. eat sugar. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know. So I feel like it's like it's that level, like almost like if we were to break down everything, it would just be love. Well, I, I think also you're free to believe what you believe, but uh, what do you believe? That's the that's the key. And I think love is really should be celebrated all year round. It shouldn't just be like for Valentine's. I know. And I think the fear that comes in is because people are moving from greed or they want something or they don't want to acknowledge a person who brings a project to them or there's fear of they might know more than me or they might have better information. So there's this fear that goes throughout history and, and even... Uh, in business, in, you know, human uh, energies, there's this fear that where they, if they switch that over to, let's say, love, and, and yes, you can't go to life, go through life, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you to everybody, they might think, oh, she's whacked, or she's <laughs> right. crazy, what's yeah. wrong with yeah, her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a silent energy of love mm-hmm. that is not fear-based of you know, what do you want? You know, right. are you going to, are you going to cheat me? Are you going to lie to me? Yeah. Uh, do I do business with you? Do I go out with you? You know, all of these issues I, I believe can be overridden in that of self-love. And I think mm. so it starts first with self-love, right? Because if you truly love yourself and people go, but what does that mean? How do I love mm. myself? Well, I think just acknowledging that you are the essence of what love is, 
And then people go, well, what do I have to do? Right. Well, you have to speak it. You have to live it. You have to think it. Um, it's, it's exactly if you had to make a, a project, let's say a studio said, here's an unlimited amount of money, and I want you to make a film about love. <laughs> you can't say the word love, but mm. how would that film be? Right. And what would you cast or who would you, what, mm-hmm. what would the script be? Basically, it would be a silent love. Yeah. How do you, how do you visually make that happen? Exactly how you right. would do in your day. Mm-hmm. And so I think as individuals, I mean, people are looking for love, but they can't find it. They're looking for love in the wrong places. It's not maybe in a Hallmark card. It's maybe not with a puppy dog. It's not maybe with chocolate. I think it begins first, and I'm not saying all those others are bad. It just means those are added bonuses, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, in, in life... Love is your essence, and I know that you have a great love in your life now. Yes. And uh, I think everybody should be inspired to be love and to really know that when you love someone or love yourself, you have to make a daily acknowledgement to it because at the end of the day, it might not be here tomorrow. No. We take things for granted. We really do. If you knew you had to make a solid two years of this lifetime of something that meant really passion in your work and then you were leaving this planet and you had two years left what would you do i wouldn't be in my pjs watching netflix that's for sure okay right like i would be not doubting not mistrusting not wondering not hesitating Right, I would be full out, and I would be. It's interesting. I would almost be unapologetically myself. Authentic. Authentic, because and there was because it's almost a waste of time correct. to try and be otherwise. Correct. And, you and what would, does it matter anyway? You would exactly. Who's right, because at the end of two years, it's game over anyway, or at least you that have phase. to seize the moment. Yeah. Seize the moments. Uh, and not waste any time. And it doesn't mean, you know, you're write, you know, writing 20 scripts and you're trying to, mm-hmm. but it means to be in the journey of enjoying it, but actually living it fully. Yeah, because you'd be laser focused. It'd be super clear. This is the path to take myself on because everything I'm doing is me saying no to something else. So you'd Correct. be laser focused. Laser focused. And I think that would help yeah. to put you on the track the fast track to authenticity, but the fast track to a result that you have two years. You yeah. need to do this. Right. And so. And you would enjoy the journey along the way. Correct. Because what's the point of the end result? You correct. won't be there to enjoy it long term. So, like, you better enjoy every day. What's the point? You'd be in the moment. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And making thing. sure the moments are good. Correct. Or making sure you take advantage of being in this moment. Because in this moment, that's all there is. You know, um, who inspires Kia? Who inspires me? Oh my gosh, uh, my mother inspires me. Mm-hmm. She's a good person. Peggy. You know her. Yes. You know my mom. Um, she's 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 very generous and kind. She's mm. let me do my thing, and even though I'm sure she would have loved a more present daughter, she let me do my thing. And um, she's God. She's funny. She's 
if somebody were to inspire me with puns, that's the woman. <laughs> um, I, I very rarely have people that I really like look up to and say, I want to model that. Cause I always felt like I was doing something that was unmodeled before. Mm-hmm. Um, Oprah's been always really impressive, I think, as a strong woman, and that she talks about spirituality pretty openly, publicly, and people love her for it, which I think is pretty cool. Um, just anybody in my life that's going for something, that has some project. I have a problem when I go out to coffee or lunch with people, and they're telling me about their projects. I like can't help but start being like, okay, let's break it down. Here, let's do this, and you've got to do this. Like, They're like, you're not producing my project. Let it go. It's, you know? Um, and I just get inspired by the ideas that come to me, you know? Those are sort of what pull me forward. And I get inspired thinking about a world where people are living to their full potential. And I see entertainment as part of sort of their their daily diet for that. Absolutely. Um, if you could go back into history and speak to someone, mm-hmm. what would you say and who would it be if you could go back in time? I almost want to just go back to my, you know, small self and be like, relax a little bit. It's going to be okay. But back in time, I mean, there's so many. I wish I had a time machine just in my driveway, be right? Because I'd be going to all different places. And, you know, um, but it's almost like you want to pick one point in time that's so pivotal that it kind of helps everything. But it would be hard to pick that moment. I, The TV show that I'm developing right now for FX is about my cousin mm. who was best friends with Daniel Boone. And he's well known wow. in the Ohio and Kentucky sort of Ohio River Valley region. His name was Simon Kinton and his rivalry with Tecumseh. The famous On your Shawnee mom's Airway. side? My father's okay. side. Um, uh, his rivalry with Tecumseh determined the fate of our country. Nobody knows this story. It's wow. like a real Game of Thrones. It's pretty incredible. I would love to go and go back to be time. with him and be like, oh, by the way, a TV show <laughs> might be coming out about you. But um, just to get a deeper sense of why he did something. I mean, this is somebody that's been in my mind for the past six and a half years, and I'd just love to sit down and interview him, you know, and um, find out why he Research. did what he did. <laughs> yeah, I, want, I, p- I pick my answer as another way to work, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me go back in time. <laughs> so, so I can do more for my show. <laughs> exactly. Um, that being said, who would be a few people that you'd love to work with in the, in the entertainment world, in your in your field, creatively, that you'd say these three people I would love to really sit down and work with or develop something with. Who right. would this be? I mean, that you admire. I have to say that the project that we're on right now, I've got, I've already, you know, hit a couple of those for sure. Some of my favorite filmmakers. I've got two categories. One is just women that I really admire that have kind of come from one world and are now producing. And those are Kathy Shulman and Lori McCreary. Lori McCreary did, you know, uh, Madam Secretary, and she's Morgan Freeman's producing partner. Um, Dee Dee Garner. You know, these women are really amazing women. Even Reese Witherspoon is doing some really cool stuff with content right now. Um, but there's some amazing filmmakers that I love their work, and that's Julie Taymor. She does, you know, she did the Lion King on stage. Mm-hmm. She she did Across the Universe, the musical with the Beatles music. I also love Boz Luhrmann, who did Moulin Rouge. Sometimes I wonder if I should really be doing big spectacle musicals <laughs> because of the people I love. And um, one of my most favorite filmmakers of all time is Yongi Mo. He's um, 
Chinese director, and he did the hero and flying House of Flying Daggers. He did the uh, Olympic opening ceremony and closing ceremony when the Olympics were in China. And um, funny story about manifesting because I vision board and everything. When I was in college, I manifested and I didn't even realize that I had put up a map on my wall and I put a little star in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I was in film school, and I put a little star Beijing, China, where he was, and I was like, one day we will meet. And because I had heard somewhere, like, if a butterfly flaps its wings, a typhoon is like, I was like, whatever, okay, I'll do something. When I moved to L.A., I was working someplace, and they were like, by the way, have you heard of this guy, Zhang Yimou? He's coming in. And I was just like, I was like, I'm your new best friend. His translator's like, I have no idea who this girl is. And he was like, come have lunch with me. And that was one of the first things that happened when I moved to L.A. So I got a chance to spend some time with him. Good. Um, I really think that you should create more of these panels with women Mm. in film. Good because idea. I think that would be such a powerful event, and I and I, I believe most idea. of them would probably all say yes. Yeah. Even to get panels with Oprah, Reese, um, you know Jennifer mm-hmm. Aniston, whoever, even filmmakers that are you know uh, editors and 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 really do like even even like a day of that celebration mm-hmm. to really inspire women because I think. Um, they women need to be heard in this platform. And I know I just went to a screening the other night at Fox and they had the director and five guys who were <laughs> part of the team. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Sure. And Love that film. It was a great film, but there were no women. You know. It's interesting time, and I love my guys. I mean, right. I came well, up, got- when I was a camera assistant, I was one of the first female camera assistants, and I felt like I was getting access to the guys' locker room, and I learned how to belch louder than them and have dirtier jokes. I mean, I had the best time. Um, and I never even saw myself as kind of a... I was like, oh, I'm the lone woman around here. So it's never been so much my focus, you know, gender, but I know it's it's a big deal, and if things have been kept... From me because of my gender, I'm not aware of it. Mm. Um, quite possibly so. I've always sort of felt like it was because I was just inexperienced. Um, but this is a really amazing time to to be for people to be having a conversation about parity and equality and um, you know representation. Um, and I maybe I'm completely wrong, but I kind of feel like it's going to take a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, I I would love to see women have more access to mentorship mm-hmm. and training. Mm-hmm. I think women shadowing and understanding what's happening in those boardrooms, what's happening with those conversations, you know. Um, so then they know how to play the politics when they get there. They understand the, the lay of the land. Um, I think it's going to continue to increase. I'm not entirely shocked when I see a panel of all men. You know, I recently did something, well, a couple of years ago, I did something for the PGA, and men were the only guys that said yes, and they would come. And we got in trouble for throwing the event because it was all men, but no women said yes. So sometimes you're damned. Was it because they weren't available? or I think they were just not available, mm-hmm. but it had to happen on that particular weekend because the venue was available. So Well, I think, I think what you could do is you could do a panel of women, one, one event, and then a panel with three men yeah. and three women yeah. to f- have that balance. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that is needed, especially with the conscious media. Use it as a yeah. springboard because I think that the future 
is now. And especially yes. with the things that you're creating currently, you just have to upgrade it. What's interesting about the conscious space, and you probably experienced this as well, it seems like women are more open to it. Mm-hmm. They seem Absolutely. to be more on the forefront and sometimes dragging their husband off the couch and bringing them along the way. But women are definitely at the forefront of this conscious awakening that I think is happening right now. Well, the one thing I love about you is you're so thorough and you're so good at organizing it and putting it into perspective. And I think that's that's your talent is being able to put it all together but know the research and the front and the backstory right. and the whole you know, vision. And that's a gift. Thank you. you know. I thought everybody thought in bullet points and spreadsheets <laughs> like I did. <laughs> no, that's but, not the case. <laughs> but you can cover that with love. Yes, 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 with love. <laughs> Be like, here's the schedule. I love you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I want to congratulate you on all the momentum that you're creating now. And I know Thank you're you getting ready to step into the golden doors Thank of you. creating more incredible content and really giving you the permission now to do bigger and greater things, yes. Kia. Um, I'm so proud of you to be able to sit here with you and see Thank this. You. And uh, you'll let us know more about the progression of this new project. Happy and to. if people want to reach you, they can go to zazaproductions.com. Yes, they can. And they can send you information about women films and anything sure um or if you're interested in conscious media and correct. you want to be counted as an audience person you know and just let us know that you're there and you're interested in this kind of content or if you're a filmmaker and you want to you know sort of join up with like-minded people then you can go there too and that's consciousmediavisionaries.com consciousmediavisionaries.com excellent so uh thank you so much have thank a great you. um rest of the week and i'll see you very soon and thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me, Gary. It was cool. a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Ready, Set, Live. Until next time, keep thinking great thoughts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.